Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Seems like every day we learn more and more about how broken our government is, how there are people in Washington, D.C., these elected leaders who they're not there to serve us. They're not there to serve the American people. They're there to serve themselves. And in fact, in a lot of these instances, they're actually weaponizing the government against us. We have a broken and dysfunctional government. We have a government that has become too centralized. You know, far gone is the vision of decentralization of our founding fathers of the founding generation. And so we need more and more people in Washington, D.C. or in government, whether it's the federal government or or local and state government who are actually fighting for us, who care about us, who see the challenges ahead, see the problems that we face and want to make change and are willing to fight for change. One of those people is Congressman Dan Bishop from North Carolina. I want you to listen to something that he recently said on the House floor. We owe it to the American people to reveal the rot within our federal government and cut it out so that it can no longer harm everyday Americans. Mr. Speaker, today we're putting the deep state on notice. We're coming for you on behalf of everyday Americans. There you have it. Today, we're putting the deep state on notice. We are coming for you on behalf of everyday Americans. He is fighting for us. He is standing up against the government, against the deep state, serving our needs, the American people, if you're in North Carolina, serving your needs as your congressman. And we're fortunate that he will likely serve on this new House committee that's going to investigate the federal government, to investigate the weaponization of government against us, much like the church committee did back in the day. And we need that. And he'll likely be on that committee. So we're thankful for that. He was also part of that small group of Republicans, the 20 Republicans, who stood against Kevin McCarthy, and not just because of Kevin McCarthy, but to try to force change in Washington, D.C., to try to make changes to the House rules, to make government more transparent, to try to place checks and balances against the Speaker of the House, and also to fight for things like this House committee that is ultimately going to investigate and stand up against the federal government. So we are very fortunate to have him in Congress. He is a good man, 
And I'm so thankful for him to be a guest on this show, on this episode. So we'll talk to him about all of that, why he stood up to make changes and make changes to the process and not voting for Kevin McCarthy. We'll also talk to him about these revelations about Joe Biden. Again, a person who's in a position of power who's not there to serve us. He's there to serve his own needs, his own interests, to enrich himself and his family. So we'll talk about this discovery of the classified documents, what that means, what you need to know, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Congressman Dan Bishop of North Carolina. Uh, Congressman Dan Bishop, I just wanted to thank you, sir. You are one of these small group of Republicans who fought to make changes to the House rules and the way that Congress conducts business. So thank you for doing that. Thank you, Lisa. It, we really had a remarkable outcome. And looking back on it, it was very much the right thing to do. Thought so at the time. A lot of criticism from conservatives even that we were that we didn't just coronate the speaker to be and do the same thing in the same way we've always done it. But we actually saw democracy, real genuine democracy break out in Washington, the place where the endless omnibus, you know, never stops. But we, we, we've gotten major reforms. We got commitments to very important and specific legislative policy strategy. Uh, we got one thing that was very important to me was the select committees as a subcommittee actually in the judiciary uh, committee under Jim Jordan on the weaponization of the federal government against the against American citizens and so I, there were some really great wins there and I think overall the Republican conference is stronger for it it's uh, and I'm, I'm glad to have been part of it why was that an important fight for you I think most Americans I've said this to some of my colleagues up there. I, show me the people who say that Congress as an institution is working well for the American people. Nobody says that. Everybody admits that it is dysfunctional and broken. I got a huge kick out of uh, mainstream media talking about chaos and dysfunction on the floor on January 3, the, you know, last week. Chaos and dysfunction, or, or at least dysfunction, is what is what better describes the fact that two weeks earlier, they put out a $1.7 trillion omnibus to govern spending over the next nine months, had all sorts of trash in it, $4,000 bill, drops out in the middle of the night on one day, and then basically at the end of the next day, we're voting for it. Nobody knows what's in it. It's designed by a handful of people. That is not what was supposed to happen when Congress was set up. And th th this problem is perpetual. And, and the leadership class, I mean, Kevin McCarthy has considerable talents in certain aspects of leadership, but he's been in leadership for 14 years in Congress. And we needed to know that whoever the speaker was, was going to go to the mat for Americans for uh, fiscal discipline, for some key policies that have been waiting, for a house in which people have more participation, members who were elected by 750,000 Americans apiece, that we were, our voices are being heard. We have conservatives on uh, a widespread variety of committees. All of those things were necessary. And a lot of members of the Republican conference now are touting the rules changes, the legislative policy we've, we've uh, had committed to, but not one single change would have occurred but for the 20 who were 
prepared to stand up for it. Well, and I appreciate that. And I, I said on Fox, you know, Congress is a 22 percent approval rating, but we're but we're beating up the guys trying to change the process. <laughs> like, you know, like that doesn't make sense to me. And, uh, you know, and we're at such a uh, a critical juncture as a country with just a government that's broken, a government that is really being weaponized against us. So, I, you know, the time to fight is now. So I appreciate what you did, sir. And, and, and you know, we look at that broken government part and there's these revelations this week that Joe Biden mishandled classified information. Despite his criticism of the former president, Donald Trump, he has been in possession of classified information for years now. And we're just now finding out about it. Just now finding out about it. And we don't know precisely what the timeline of the discoveries uh, was, but we're, I assume we'll find out in due course. But it would appear to me that somebody in the federal bureaucracy understood this, knew that the that these documents were there, and they knew that before this midterm election. And we have another, probably another situation in which information was cultivated and suppressed and concealed until after the election so the American people couldn't take it into consideration. But with respect to Donald Trump, you're seeing stuff you've never seen in American history. Is that another case of a of the FBI or the Department of Justice being politicized and used selectively for political advantage. You know, I'm trying to be um, responsible in my rhetoric about this as we undertake this committee that I made reference to, but those are exactly the kinds of events that keep coming time and time and time again. And yes, Joe Biden, you know, they've, they've, they've tried to do everything they can to make Donald Trump a pariah, and yet they're doing the same thing all the time. Well, you know, and and they're telling us that he takes classified information seriously, but he's had these documents for years, so that's kind of hard to believe. And in and, and multiple, uh, you know, in multiple places, multiple locations, um, you know, in his garage, but it's next to his Corvette, sir. So we know that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's a remarkable, remarkable development, and and I look forward to seeing. How they, I mean, they've put themselves in a box, so let's see how they deal with it. Well, you know, and it was reported that these documents were discovered on November 2nd, six days before the midterm elections. How can we have any faith or trust that this is being uh, this is being handled in an objective way uh, when it's been withheld from the public for so long? Aspects of even that report are implausible, Lisa. The 2nd of November, discovered by lawyers in the course of closing up his Penn Biden Center office in D.C. Maybe uh, it stands to reason to me that if someone discovered it, it probably was not lawyers going through everything. But, you know, maybe that'll that'll hold up. I think we will. I understand Oversight Committee, Jamie Comer folks are already reaching out to see what that information was to get a look at it in Congress, and we'll look behind what we're being told. But lots of times when you go back and look, the initial story turns out to be incomplete or misleading in some way. I will be willing to, well, I won't bet because I don't have enough information, but I won't be surprised if it turns out that information, uh, the, the, the mishandling of classified documents by Biden was known well in advance of the election and they left that story out there as an asymmetrical 
way of damaging the prospects for Republicans in the election. Well, I also wonder if the discovery had anything to do with this investigation into Hunter Biden. You know, is that what sort of spurred this discovery and this admission that he had these documents? You know, was that something that was going to be uncovered or was uncovered in the Hunter Biden investigation? You know, I, I, I wonder, you know, if the timing has to do with that and if this has to do with Hunter Biden. Right. And it is often the case, again, that there is some sort of pressure that has developed. They anticipate things are coming. Therefore, the revelation gets made. I, I don't know whether if there were nothing else happening, we would ever have heard this. Uh, but we'll, you know, we'll have to see what else develops. I would say as far as your listeners are concerned, and I'm sure they all know this, just don't uh, make all your conclusions tentative because I believe there will be other additional shoes to drop. I agree as well. And then also, you know, I'm sure you guys are looking into it and would be interested in learning more about the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. Uh, we know that University of Pennsylvania, they took tens of millions of dollars in gifts and contracts from China uh, between 2014 and 2020. And then we know that the Washington Free Beacon noted that foreign donations to the university tripled in the two years following the Biden Center's opening in 2017, which is also even more suspicious just given the Biden's family connection to China and business developments in China, uh, uh, you know, along with business leaders in China. So, you know, that is suspicious as well. Right. Mike Pompeo gives a very compelling speech about the way in which Chinese money and Chinese influence have been uh, spread. And of course, we've heard a lot of even recent stories about essentially a Chinese police station in New York and so forth to kind of keep tabs on Chinese citizens here in the United States, but, but particularly the university uh, channel for to, to, to fund things and Confucius centers. They have been relentless and aggressive about doing that. I think we should see we should see some additional scrutiny on uh, what the nature and source of that funding has been and and what it is, what kind of effects it is producing at that university. Quick commercial break and then more with Congressman Dan Bishop. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot. But the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. 
Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. What do you hope that uh, this new committee, uh, you know, this uh, church committee looking into to government, looking into the weaponization of government, what do you hope is accomplished there? You know, in Frank Church, Senator, Democratic senator from Idaho back in 1975, undertook that to chair that select committee in the Senate. People had a disquieting feeling that the intelligence community had gotten out of control. Um, I think we see that phenomenon again, maybe in a bigger way than it was ever seen at the time. <clears throat> if you remember some of the things they were concerned about then, it was foreign covert operations that had l- less than clear authorization from the president, particularly assassination policy, but they also had the FBI uh, infiltrating frankly, mostly left-wing groups, but not entirely. And, uh, and, and a lot of, just a lot of very disturbing things that were going on. Uh, now I have this, you know, if you look at the Twitter file story or the various pieces of it, it seems to me that the FBI, this foreign in, foreign influence task force, I don't know how big it is, but Elvis Chan, San Francisco officer of the FBI, engaging with Yoel Roth at, at, at Twitter, and you know what's happening with other social media outlets as well. They are curating the public square. They're deciding what Americans can hear and say. I don't know how the FBI ever got the idea that that's their job or their prerogative. They say then, then when it happens, they put this extraordinarily contemptuous statement out uh, that says uh, they, they deplore the conspiracy theories, as they say. And they say, we're just engaging with our community partners. As far as I know, the FBI is responsible for investigating and, and reporting to uh, the Department of Justice the violations of federal laws, criminal law. I don't think they're here to engage with community partners to the point that they're uh, curating the public debate. And that's so dangerous. And I think... It's one example, but I believe we see that proliferating everywhere, and the, and, it, and it jeopardizes the very fabric of our society to have the federal bureaucracy deciding to manage the population. That's not supposed to happen in the United States. Well, I interviewed Ron Paul recently uh, because I believe it was back in 1988. He was warning that the FBI's purpose is really to spy on Americans, to spy on us. And I, you know, I had asked him, you know, how does it feel to be vindicated? You know, because he was criticized so much for you know saying these sorts of things, and it, it turns out that he was very, very right. Had I been involved at the time, I might been have been one of his critics because I am one who has been rather converted. I have always been and continue to be a supporter of law enforcement. I think that, that and we see too much uh, uh, demonizing of the cop on the street and even the maybe the line FBI agent. But 
uh, these high-level executive functions and uh, sort of the imposing of personal will on the American people from the position of the bureaucracy, whether it be FBI or other agencies, is damaging and dangerous. And I think Ron Paul, Ron Paul has proven, as you say, is is being vindicated. And uh, and and what I intend to do in this committee, and I anticipate, I expect to be on it, expect Jim Jordan to run it, is we're going to make a major effort. We're going to dig in hard. We're going to face stonewalling. So I don't. Those folks who get up there and say, "Well, I'll you know believe it when you show me what you can do," we I'm not sure the United States Congress has the capacity to fix everything about this. But we darn well can ex- can work hard to expose it and make great progress in that direction. And then the American people will make their choices. But I don't think we want to live in the kind of world or in the kind of the United States where uh, the deep state decides what you can hear, think and say. And I think, too, one thing that would be really important or one thing I would love to see from you guys is, is also putting forth how can we make changes and really making it about the American, because, you know, I I think sometimes these committees and, you know, these hearings and it's explosive and it it could end up looking very like a show, you know, and produced. And I I think the American people would love to know that this is in their interest. And also how can we make changes? You know, what are the recommendations? What are, you know, what are tried and true things that we can do and actual reforms in a real way to make government work for us? We, the people. I agree with that totally. And I, I already have, some ideas on the table for my consideration as we work through this. For example, the you know people have seen some I think disturbing uh, things in the January six prosecutions. I think the pre trial detention law needs to be ex- reexamined and perhaps amended. I think the FBI's uh, you know the, since nine eleven it has been centralized and work turned much more into an intelligence agency itself. Maybe the FBI needs to be split into some separate functions. The separate functions ought to be split into separate agencies. Maybe we ought to return to an FBI that was more decentralized, that depended for its decision-making more on the uh, field offices, special agents in charge, rather than the seventh floor in Washington. I, I think there are a variety of reforms like that that ought to be considered. We need to be very judicious about whether we reauthorize FISA, because we know that the procedural protections that are designed to protect Americans' rights have been violated time and time and time again, and it's not even in dispute. I mean, the FISA court itself has detailed how that has occurred. So has the inspector general. So I agree with you. I don't think, now, I will say one other thing. Sometimes some of the reforms Congress is engaged in, including 1978, FISA itself, the creation of the intel committees in Washington. I'm not sure that led to greater oversight and greater control of, uh, of intel. So we ought to approach it with a, with a, humble, and, uh, a humble perspective, recognizing that many times government legislates more and protects people less despite their best efforts. Oh, that's a good point and a, and a worthy point. Uh, you know, and, and you talk about the need for decentralization. I mean, you just look back on our founding fathers and our founding generation and, and how they saw the importance of decentralization. And you look at how centralized and vast and big our federal government is now. And it's, boy, were they right. You know, it's like, well, uh, we got to get back to, you know, somehow finding a way to claw ourselves back uh, to, you know, a more decentralized government and, and, you know, in in any way that we can. Uh, You know, I I wanted to get your take real quick before we go, because I know you're a a busy guy. Um, 
What do you make of the the revelations that your colleague Adam Schiff had a role in the censorship of American citizens with, with Twitter? Apparently, his his staff, his team, they quite often went to Twitter and asked them to take down tweets they did not like. Uh, I can't say enough bad about Adam Schiff based on everything I've seen before and since coming to Congress. Um, but I think what, you know, it, um, the specific thing to which you refer in which he's uh, talking about taking Paul Sperry, an investigative reporter, off uh, off the off of Twitter. In fact, it's about six months later that happened to Paul. He eventually has been now under Elon Musk re- re- restored. Um, it is, look, that epitomizes, I think, unfortunately, the left today. At one point, at least much of my life, I always understood, you know, the war in court and everything. The liberals, the left of the country, were the ones who wanted to supposedly open up and give maximal protection to individual rights. Understand that that time has passed. The left is authoritarian, and they seek to use control or develop control by any means necessary. And Adam Schiff is the worst of the worst. I'm glad that Kevin McCarthy said he is not going to be serving on Intel uh, because he has repeatedly used that po- that perch to lie to the American people. Um, I think we've got to be tough enough to face down enemies like that uh, and 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 to not let them continue to continue to roll over the American people. Yes, sir. Before we go, is there anything you'd like to leave the audience with? You know, I would say that I think the American people are way ahead of Congress in many, many ways. My impression has been, and surprisingly, really, uh, at times, that the American people fully know the score. Many of them have an impulse to say they just don't believe in anybody anymore. Uh, They don't believe anybody's going to do anything. Uh, Don't give up hope. I'd say that above all, uh, keep hope, keep faith in the Lord uh, as your guidepost, but continue to work hard for the improvement of the country and to count on the, the fact that there are people trying to do that. Uh, you're one of them. And um, I appreciate what you do. Well, you are too, sir. You're a good man. And I am so glad that we have people like you in Washington, D.C. fighting for us and, and standing up for this country. So uh, thank you so much for what you do. And uh, thank you so much for giving us your time. I, I really appreciate it. You bet. Glad to be with you. was Congressman Dan Bishop of North Carolina fighting for you, fighting for a country. Truly a good man. We are very lucky to have him in Congress. I want to thank you guys at home for listening to the show every Monday and Thursday, but you can listen throughout the week. I want to thank my producer, John Cassio, for putting it together. Feel free to leave us a review or leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. 